Welcome to the First Time Facilitator Podcast. Whether you're a first-time facilitator or a seasoned pro, listen in for tips and tricks to make a bigger impact at the next workshop you deliver. And now, your host, Leanne Hughes. I'm your host, Leanne Hughes, and I'm here to help you design fast, deliver strong without the stress. Great to be back on the episode the last couple of weeks. I haven't published one. I've been, you know, I should have probably recorded some before I went overseas, but I've been in New York and running workshops. And plus, when I, uh, if you're a longtime listener, you would have known that around episode 200, I did pause this show. And the reason I'm bringing it back was to promote the book. Now, I'm not like Netflix, like Netflix will say, hey, we're, we're bringing back a limited season and they'll let you know there's going to be eight episodes. When I made the decision to bring back the show for a limited season, I didn't actually decide in advance what that meant. How many episodes? What does limited actually mean? Um, what I'm thinking now is, because most of the promotion for the book, it's been about three months since the book was launched. It's been amazing actually seeing uh, book sales reached over 2,000 last week, which is phenomenal. Again, I didn't have a metric in mind. It was more about just packaging up information around workshops in a very accessible way so that any normal person, not a trainer, not a facilitator, just people that are tapped on the shoulder to share their expertise can pick up the two-hour workshop blueprint and know exactly what it takes to design their sessions. I mean, the reason why, yeah, I brought back the episodes was in preparation for the launch for that. So now it's out. It's like, what do I do? Do I keep this as a limited season? So what I'm thinking I just want to share with you is that uh, I probably won't be bringing out weekly episodes, but there will be episodes and it'll be based on things that are top of mind, questions that maybe you're you're sending me that I think uh, will prompt a, a good audio response that might be helpful for you and then hopefully others that are running and designing their workshops. Uh, and also if I see anyone doing something quite interesting or different that I think could add a unique perspective to, I mean, we've had over 200 and you know, plus interviews on the show. So I'm after something that's, you know, people that are doing things that are unique or really curious to dig more into that. Uh, just from my own curiosity, I'm going to tap them and invite them on the show as well. So that's where I'm at with the show. Uh, so keep it, you know, subscribe to it. Keep subscribed because you'll get a notification when it's out and it won't be on a weekly basis, but there will be episodes that are top of mind. On today's episode, I want to um, talk about, I'll, I'll share the question in a second. Um, it's related to opening up a workshop and how do you do that? Um, how safe do you make it or do you go for a bit of a deep dive? So we'll explore more of that in a second. Like I said, I've just been in New York City, uh, jet lagged. I think for the last four nights, I've been getting up about 1.30 in the morning. I had to sleep until about three o'clock this morning <laughs> and we've got a two-day workshop that I'm hosting tomorrow. But I really love this question that came through and it's from a previous guest on the show, Uri Holb. Uh, Uri used to work for Slido and um, he was there like right at the beginning and helped build it and scale it to this incredible global tech business that it is today. If you don't know uh, Slido, it's a polling app. So if you're at a conference um, and you want people to vote on topics or participate and you want to turn your conference into something more interactive or your workshop and you want like anonymous polling, Slido is one of the OGs, like Slido and Mentimeter. Uh, I've always just loved Slido. I think just it just seems easier for me. I like the, the colors, the, how easy it is to create. It's such, I mean, the value of it as a tool. I keep my online subscription going my annual subscription going. Um, and Yuri was a guest on the show. So he started that. Now he and his, um, he's got a business 
called Remote People. So congratulations to Uri. They flipped, they sold this business to Cisco. Uri's out. He's kicking goals um, now with this new business. So I'll quickly just click on his profile and I'll link to it in the show notes for this one. And I encourage you to listen to the conversation that we had. So his company is called remotepeople.company. That's where you can find it. And scrolling down here. By the way, I'm challenging myself to make this episode a one-take wonder. So there's going to be no editing. It's just um, me just riffing on this question that Uri sent through. Um, so Uri is the co-founder of Remote People, a consulting and training company that helps remote teams collaborate and communicate better. What a time to be doing that. <laughs> like it's the perfect time as we're still navigating remote work and global workforces and collaborating with people that you've never, ever met before. Uh, and I think you guys got the perfect experience for this because Slido is a business that's like that. And I've actually collaborated with Slido on a, on various masterclasses and just a joy to work for the people there, the culture they've created, um, was really unique. And so, yeah, in the episode with Uri, he talks more on that. So why does someone like Uri, who's just awesome at all this stuff, why, why is he reaching out to riff on this topic? And I think it's more about just getting an opinion. And I think good on him. Like I, um, even though I run workshops and, you know, write books on workshops and posted this podcast, I constantly seek out peer support or I just want to you know, find a friend or and say, Hey, I'm thinking of trying this in a workshop. What do you think? So it's not from a lack of uh, not even confidence. I think it shows strength and confidence to reach out and ask, what do you think about this? Um, and that's why I think the flip chart Facebook group is so awesome is that everyone there is like, Hey, I'm thinking of doing this or, you know, what do you think? It's just nice to see different perspectives. Okay, so here's Uri's question. Um, I'm having a dilemma about the flow of a session. Let me share more details. Goal. I'd like the workshop participants to practice and learn how to open a presentation. Here are my two options. Option A, participants go first and deliver their opening to the current best capabilities. We debrief each opening, what went well, what could be improved. After that, I'll share and add additional tips on how to best open a presentation. That's option A. And then he writes option B. We start with a group brainstorming about best ways to open a presentation. Only then do participants get the chance to step on stage and deliver their opening. Then we debrief each opening. What are your thoughts? So he said to boil it down, it's either practice first, content later, content first, practice later. How do you go about this? So pause there. If you're listening to this, what are you thinking as you hear this? I'll give you, I'm, I'm, I'll, say I'll give you some thinking time, but I won't. I'll just imagine that you've paused this and you're thinking about your response to this. Uh, I love this question. So I responded to Uri on audio and I thought I'd sort of expand on what I was thinking about this. Now, when advising on this situation, I can't actually give a direct response, say do option A or do, do option B, because it completely depends on what is the experience you want to create. Like, do you want to create a feeling of, um, maybe nervous energy, right? So if I'm in a workshop and the uh, facilitator comes out and says, right, you're going to be opening a session, like right now, uh, Leanne, come up, that would create a bit of, I'd be a bit anxious. I think I'd also really enjoy it because I'm not that type of person, but not every person is like that. But if the briefing is that you want to create an, ex an experience that might, that is similar to, real, to, to the real world where Sometimes in business, you don't get three days or two weeks to craft your opening. You're, you're basically being asked to, to step up and do that. You know, that's training. That's practice for the real world. And that's why I like it. Um, I like both, by the way. But just, like I said, it just depends on what experience you want to create and what is the purpose of the session. 
Um, in my book, The Two-Hour Workshop Blueprint, this type of opening where you're basically getting people just to like go in and get stuck in and then you debrief afterwards, I call it the deep dive opening. Uh, it's part of the power-up stage of the SPARK framework. Sorry if I'm getting like throwing way too many acronyms in here. But yeah, SPARK is uh, set up, power-up, activities, review, and keep. And so the P for power-up is where I give different ideas for how to open a session. So what you're always talking about in terms of let's just get in and get people to open up and, and kick off and then we'll debrief after that. That's an example of a deep dive. It's not toe in the water. It is like you are jumping in and getting them to do it. There's various ways you can do that. So I think this is a, this is a deep dive example. The example I give in the book is if you're running like a time management session and um, something I've done with groups, as I've said, we've opened up and it's been, okay, you are given the opportunity of a lifetime but you need to find an extra six hours a week to be able to commit to it. You really want to do this thing. How will you find those six hours? And so we go straight into brainstorming as opposed to me going, hey, here are the three things about time management, like priorities and all this stuff. People are smart. People know. Like, and if it's, a, if it's important and relevant to what they do, they feel very compelled to do it. And so with the setup of this, uh, your eyes example, um, and some considerations. The first thing I said to Yuri was, how well do these people know each other? Like, do they work together? Um, are they at the same level within their business or are there people at different levels within the organization? What is the brief that you've been given? Is it to come in and disrupt and to like really reframe things and, and put people in the hot seat? Or is it more about, um, this is something we need to do. We want to make sure everyone has a chance of having a go and we want to deliver this. In the same. Like there's different experiences that you can aim for. What I would personally do is, so yeah, I'd map that out. Like A, like how many people are in there? What type of experience are they at? What type of levels within the business? The familiarity with each other, I think makes a big difference. Um, familiarity can work both ways. If you're like at, if it's a public workshop where no one knows each other, everyone's kind of equal in that regard, right? The, the, in terms of familiarity, they don't know each other. So that's, you can, I would be okay with going straight to the deep dive, which sounds counterintuitive, but it's almost like the stranger on the train principle where you kind of open up with people that you don't even know because you don't have to see them again. <laughs> Whereas if you work with people, they're at different levels within the organization, but you don't really know them. I might be more inclined to go with option B and uh, sort of, t you know, toe in the water before we go to the deep dive. You can also do a deep dive by setting it up beforehand. Now, you c there's also a chance of scaring people away here if you actually say, hey, like they've got this presentation. I mean, like if your session is about presentation skills, obviously you'd expect there to be an element of presenting, you hope so, uh, through it. Um, in the setup phase beforehand, maybe Uri um, and his co-founder sent out a video saying, hey, look, we want this to be really impactful for you. We want to get the best you know, bang for your buck with the time that we're here. So we invite you to create a 30-second opening. We want you to have fun with it um, and just try to be barely adequate. And I love that phrase. It's from Michael Bungay-Stania when he was giving me advice on what first-time facilitators should strive for. It's just to be barely adequate. So rather than setting up and saying we want you to, to, to give the best opening of your life, just saying, look, we want you to give a really average opening just to start off, just so you get you know time on your feet and you're comfortable and familiar, um, and then we'll workshop from there. So I think you know it's really about expectation management. Um, and that, again, goes back to what experience do you want to create? 
So that's probably the tip I'd go for. So option B, um, that was the kind of let's dip your toes in, let's let's teach a bit of the content first. We start with a great brainstorming session about the best ways to open a presentation. My tip for Yuri was uh, framing of the question. So there's two ways, two things you could do here. I think one, well, well sorry, three, three. One is what Yuri is saying. Get them to brainstorm the best ways to open a presentation. That's option one. Option two is you flip the question and you say, let's say, <laughs> let's make it the worst opening ever. What would you see happen up there if it was the worst opening ever? And I love this question because sometimes, and even when I'm trying to think and imagine great things, often it's easier for me to describe what I don't want. Like it's easy for me to describe clients I don't want to work with versus clients I want to work with. It's easier for me to describe like the threat and the, the thing I want to avoid. Uh, not just, sorry, not just clients, but like in everything in life, like this is what I don't want to do. And so I think if you want to sort of reduce the friction, which I talk about is like, you know, ask low friction questions at the beginning, um, that's more lower friction than trying try to describe like the best opening ever. And obviously, like once you get the worst, you just flip it, right? So do the opposite of that um, to go for the best. The third question I think is like, how do you ramp up the question uh, to create the experience you're after? Example is I was in New York City. I ran a workshop based on the two-hour workshop blueprint. So working with leaders on, you know, how do you create dynamic meetings and workshops and things like that. And so I kind of just played on what you always got here as a question, question one. Um, and so rather than asking the group at the beginning, uh, you know, give me 10 ideas to make a workshop amazing. Like I could have done that, but I wanted to create sort of like an inspiring, creative type of vibe in the session. So the question I gave them was, Imagine like your group, uh, so, you know, we had about four or five people at each table. You're producers of a brand new reality TV series and it's called The Best Meeting Ever. Who's in the cast? What role are they playing? And what are you observing when you watch the show that makes it the best meeting ever? Okay, so you can tell that question has its own energy. And I feel like um, there's you know, we can really make something come to life, but not by changing the activity, but really changing the framing of the question to make it in more line with like, what type of emotion do we want to create from this group? And that second, that, you know, that, that question on reality TV series, it's very, it's playful. It's a playful question versus more of a serious question. Like give me the 10, re 10 things that would make a, a meeting great. So those are my tips for your eye there. It's like, um, consider and, and you know it's, it always goes back to before you even think of your content or the design and like that's why I can't say to you right I would do option B or option A because I don't have visibility or clarity on who is there the amount of people there their familiarity with presentations um, their ability to think on their feet etc I, I don't know what level they're at you I will have contact with the clients and hopefully find that out I give lots of tips away in the book in terms of like going on listening tours or even just doing a pre-survey to establish that type of baseline. It gives you a good indication to then decide whether you go a deep dive or whether you go something a bit um, simpler to ease them in. But that's how I think about it. And I'm so curious, like, what do you think? What do you think? How would you uh, respond to your eyes question on that? It is a really great question in terms of sequencing. I think we don't talk, often talk enough about how do you prime something Um but yeah, I love it. And it was a great, great thing to riff on today. Like I said, uh, back in Brisbane, it's, it's warm weather. Um, I think I'm on like, I think I'm post New York, not, no, not, not, not New, post New York depression, but post New York, like there's so much that goes on in New York. It's such an amazing 
place. Like even when you were, I was back in my hotel, I'm thinking oh, I should be out like doing stuff. Like I get massive FOMO over there, but because there's so much to do. And then even today I was out grocery shopping. I've got a two day workshop coming up. I'm thinking, is, this, is there more to life than this? That's my existential threat at the moment. <laughs> but uh, I, I just think it's a post New York thing. And also maybe, maybe a nudge to uh, disrupt myself. Um, and I don't know what that looks like, but it's been a big year with the book and everything else. And I've had a ton of fun. And I'm, I just think what else is possible? What else uh, is there to explore? So that's me. Um, thanks for your question, Uri. Thanks for listening to the show. And if there's other factors you'd consider, let me know. Uh, shoot me a note on Instagram at Leanne Hughes or LinkedIn or email hello at leannehughes.com. Awesome. Thanks uh, for listening in and chat to you next time. Testing, testing. Testing.